Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 320. Today is Thursday, October 12, 2023. Guys, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the Elijah Fire Podcast on Spotify. Give us an honest review and such. Again, that also really helps boost uh, in their algorithm to to get us out, get us out there. People going, yo, you got to listen to this show, yo. Um, and then also, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever else, make sure to follow us there um, as well, if you can, and give us a nice review. We really appreciate it. So also, I wanted to remind you guys that um, every Wednesday, we've been doing a new teaching series called Healing from Trauma. Now, some of you, there's, they've been super like crazy powerful guys, like, like amazing. Um, but some of you may be looking at going, I don't have any trauma. I ain't got no trauma. I'm fine. The important thing about teaching series is they're not just for your healing, uh, helping you overcome, but they're also meant to teach you and illustrate to you how you can help others. Um, and so it's not just a, um, you know, education on helping someone overcome themselves who's listening to it. That is an element to it, but it's also to equip you, to help you. It's like a, a field guide for whatever these topics are. Um, so you can help walk others through healing from trauma and things like that. So um, really strongly recommend it. It's every Wednesday. So we just did part two of four yesterday. So um, make sure to go check those out. You guys are really worth your time. Uh, Rachel and Amber are super anointed on this subject uh, and just have like the the most compassionate demeanors um, and super educated on this stuff as well. So definitely check that out. You won't regret it. I promise. Um, all right, guys, we have been embarking on a journey through the seven letters in Revelation and I've been moving at a glacial pace, I think. Um, but equally awesome. So today in Jesus name, we're going to finish the letters. All right. So, um, my guest today, she's the co-host of Elijah stream. She's also a frequent guest here. Very loved, very appreciated, uh, super anointed. Uh, so we're going to be embarking on part three of our message to the churches. Let's give it up for our guest today, Kelsey O'Malley. Kelsey. So glad to be back for the third and final time and for you this. You have a fancy mic. <laughs> I do. Jeff got me, well, Elijah's dreams got me a yes. new mic, and Jeff taught me how to set it up. And it's like all this fancy little stuff off to the side that we won't bore you with, but I'm yeah. very thankful. It's instantly, it's like an eyebrow razor for people. When they see you, like, so this is my studio, this is where I do all my stuff. And people see it and they go, well, Kelsey knows what she's doing. <laughs> Look at all that stuff. Yeah. So. I'll be like, let me give you Jeff's number. Just yeah. real quick. <laughs> yeah. This is the um this is how you uh this is how you microwave your food. Uh, <laughs> this button does, you know, calls your I mom. have no idea what any of it does. He literally was like, Okay, do you see the second button on the left? It has green on it. And I'm like, yeah. Yes, I see it. He's like, Okay, turn that one. I'm like, Okay. Yeah, yeah you're like, all right. Yeah. So I'm thankful for your expertise jeff yes you're so welcome happy to assist so kelsey uh we should just jump right in b 
because yeah. this is going to be a this going to be a marathon. But we're going to do it. I know we're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the book of Revelation. This is now our our third show. We're we're um on the letter to Sardis now, and I can't help but just think about being in the book of Revelation with all the stuff that's going on with Israel and Hamas and just the weightiness of the book of Revelation and the end time prophecy that being in this book at this time and reading these letters and applying it to our own life is very, very important because um, we could potentially be seeing um, biblical prophecy fulfilled through this and, you know, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, you know? And so, all right, guys, turn to Revelation 3 if you have your Bibles and we're going to start um, the letter to Sardis. If you want to see any of the other ones, you can go back and watch the previous shows. All right, Revelation 3, write to the angel of the church in Sardis. Thus says the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you're not alert, I will come like a thief. And you have no idea at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, these letters are so powerful. Um, all right, so first of all, a little bit about Sardis. Um, it was an affluent city. It was self-made. It had um, economic wealth. It was um, working in textiles, in wool. So there was a lot of wealth, a lot of influence. They also had a huge temple to Artemis. And if one thing we've seen throughout these Greek cities is we've talked about all the temples there. I mean, in every single one of these cities, there is pagan gods, pagan worship. So the temple of Artemis was there. And Artemis was a Greek god. She was known um, for the being the goddess of wild animals, of um, the hunt, vegetation, of fertility, like um, childbirth and stuff like that. She was a daughter of Zeus, the sister of Apollo, um, and she had a huge, huge temple there. So there was a lot of pagan worship to her. The um, Greeks and the Gentiles would go to that temple and they would pray to her. They would worship her. So remember, when the Christians came, they were coming in and they were disrupting the things that people had done for hundreds and hundreds of years, worship these pagan deities. So here comes the church of Jesus Christ into the city. And so here they come into Sardis. And the interesting, the interesting thing about Sardis is when they were excavating the area, they found the temple to Artemis there. And they actually found crosses inscribed into the temple of Artemis. So some, some people believe um, that it might have even been converted. That temple might have been converted into a church. And they also found a church right close by to it, almost like across the way from it, which shows the level of influence that Christians ended up having at Sardis, which will help you understand the letter a little bit more. So they were of high influence there. So when Jesus, in the letter to Sardis, when he says, I know your works. So you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. 
Think about how alive the church must have seemed when they were taking over the temple to Artemis. I mean, they were spreading, they were building a church right across the way. They, mm -hmm. So they were a very influential church. So we see that even now in mega churches, you know, people may say, oh my gosh, you have a mega church and you have 5,000 people that come to your church. Wow, you're so alive. Wow, God must really be with you. But here we see Jesus says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're actually dead. And why would he say that? Because Jesus is not looking at the outward works and the outward building of big churches and taking over temples. And he's looking at the heart. So if we've lost our first love, if we've left the scripture, if we've left sound doctrine, if we've left obeying the commands of Jesus, and we've moved on to, well, we're building big churches and we're getting a lot of people into our churches, but it's not the pure motive of the gospel. I think that's what they're being rebuked for at Sardis. I think they're being rebuked for, listen, people look at you and they go, wow, look at that church. They just, they have everything. They're, they, they have everything, but really inside, spiritually, they're dead. Mm -hmm. And Jesus doesn't want that for the church. He wants the church to be in relationship with him. We see that he calls them to repentance, which is something Jesus is always going to call you to. If you guys are reading the Bible, I don't know about you, but Jeff, for, but for me, no matter where I open the Bible and I start to read and meditate on God's word, I my heart is always convicted mm -hmm. every single time. <laughs> Definitely could do that better. Yeah, just, yeah. Every time. Yeah. I mean, God disciplines us through his word. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is no different to the churches. He is disciplining them. He is described here as the one who um, has the seven spirits of God and is holding the stars, which were the messengers or angels to the seven churches. So he's describing himself here as, listen, I am the fullness. I have the full seven spirits of God. You know, there's a reason he introduces himself like that, full of the spirit, to this church because um he says to them too your works are not complete he doesn't say exactly what works are not complete um but you know he says remember what you've heard and do that repent remember what you've heard do that so i think that they were lacking in being obedient to god's word and if you're never reading god's word how can you follow it right how can you be obedient to something that you're not actively reading and rereading or listening to you you can't be obedient to something you don't know so i think they fell away from that they fell away from being obedient and got into well look at all the stuff we're doing for the church instead of ministering to the lord and obeying him and having him as number one i think other things got in the way hmm. and so um you know we see jesus go on to say um there's a few in Sardis who've not defiled their clothes. Right. And again, we talked about this before in the last episode, I think, where he makes, a, he makes a distinction between those within the church. Jesus says, but there are few people in Sardis who haven't defiled their clothes. So he makes a distinction within the church. There are those within the church he sees that have not defiled themselves. They continue to be obedient. They continue to walk in purity. And then 
he sees those who don't, but he calls them to repentance. So it's not like he says, okay, you're forever cut off from the church. You can never, you know, no, he's saying, listen, repent. And if you do, if you conquer, you'll be dressed in white clothes and I'll never erase your name from the book of life. And I'll acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Let anyone who has ears to hear. Um, you know, in Revelation 19, 7 through 8, it says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe her with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So the bright linen was the righteous deeds. Well, what's a deed? It's a work. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is promising white linen, a white robe. And he talks about how the bride will be robed in white. And the white robe is the righteous deeds. And here he's rebuking Sardis for their deeds, their works. They weren't complete. So we see a tie in there that your works unto the Lord coming from your heart are part of the righteous deeds of the saints. So we can't neglect doing good things. You can't say, oh, well, he's, you know, good works. We don't need to do that. No, you do, but it's out of the abundance of your heart to loving God. It's not about doing a work. Well, if I do this work, it's going to grow the church. And then if it grows a church in this, it's not from that type of heart. You know, I always like to say, why are you doing what you're doing, especially in ministry? If you guys are listening and maybe you work for a ministry at your church, you know, kids care or, um, you know, even welcoming people or in, on the prayer team or the healing team. Listen, what what is the motive of your heart behind doing all of this stuff? Because that's really important to the Lord. And mm -hmm. I think he's yeah. he's talking to Sardis about their deeds as coming from a pure heart to serve the Lord and not serve ourselves. So yeah. The main, the main thing um, that I want you to gain from this letter is we see the Lord rebuking them and we see the Lord saying, be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. So I think the main thing I focus, at least for me, I focus on in this letter is you having a reputation for being alive. So people look at you and do they see you and go, wow, you know, they just, they just have everything. They just have everything. They're so alive. Their relationship with God is so perfect. And they have this ministry and that, and they're so prosperous and all this stuff. But does that really make you alive to the Lord? Or can you be dead inside, but yet have all these things? Yes, you can, because you're the the way your spirit is walking with the Lord, the way you're truly, your heart's walking with God, that's what he's looking at. So just remember that it you don't have to outwardly have, oh my gosh, all these things. Now, can they come? Yes, absolutely. But our number one focus is always an inward microscope to ourselves, our heart. You know, every day, Lord, search me and know me. Lord, test me, try me, and ask the Lord to reveal to you and show you the areas where maybe it seems like you're alive, but you're not. You're really dead. Ask the Lord. And that's a really difficult prayer to pray, to be completely honest, is to sit with God and close your eyes and say, Lord, show me, show me where my walk is not right with you. And Lord, show me, even if that, you know, hopefully it's, it should be through the scriptures, because like I said, me and Jeff said, every time we open it, we're like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. But the heart, the repentant heart 
the broken heart, the one that comes before God with a broken spirit, knowing that you're not fully alive ever without him. Jesus says, apart from me and John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think we can get into our own strength, guys, and we can do a lot of things. Oh, yeah. But apart from him, we can do nothing, nothing that matters eternally. You know, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I feel like, and maybe this is just my own experience, but I feel like a lot of these, a lot of these, um, you know, in my own life, in, in the the things addressed in these ver- in these letters, not everything. I would say not everything, but specifically, even with just like the the letter to Sardis and the the correction that's being brought of of them doing things in their own ability, doing things for God, and mm-hmm. and being like, okay, no, we got it. Okay, we're supposed to do things for God. Got it. We're going to implement so many systems. Our 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 systems and our plans are going to be so awesome. God's going to be so impressed with us. You know. I've done that. I feel like I'm constantly in this place of like, I, th- I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but I was saying that I'm, I'm always, for me, the struggle is always like too little or too much. And I'm mm-hmm. like, if, if God is, is, you know, moving at this pace, I'm like, okay, I got it. And then too little or too much. And it's this constant adjustment. And rather yeah. than getting frustrated with myself, and this is definitely not what's being addressed here, but I'm just saying, for those that are going, yeah, me too. For me, it's like always reorienting yourself to him, always yes. evaluating, always going, yeah, I kind of, I kind of went ahead on you on that, didn't I? You know, and and that's not to say that every time that I follow the Lord, that's the problem. It's not. Right. But I do feel like throughout my life, as God moves me into new avenues and ups the ante, if you will, I'm constantly in that place of kind of evaluating reevaluating until you get to this point where you're like okay we're in sync and then he's like okay now we're gonna do this and you're like oh you know (laughs) you have to do it all over again (laughs) you know so but being yeah but the important thing is like dude your heart and analyzing your heart and being like god like like is this right is this is this what we're supposed to be doing Or, or did i do this based off of assumption with you right um and that's that there's definitely a caution for that you know so an outwardly appearance is something the flesh is always going to deal with. So like this looks really good on paper. Mm-hmm. This looks really good um, for me, for my minute, whatever. Um, for it's, it's even for work. You know, this looks really good. But is it what the Lord wants you to do? And yeah. is that where he wants you to go? You know, yeah. you always have to have that. Um, you know, I talked with your sister. I talked with Jen about what does it mean to pray without ceasing? And yeah. we said it's always a God conscious awareness. So you're always aware that the Lord is with you. He is there. And you're always relying and trusting um, in him for all things. So it's being aware that, you know, you have relationship with God and he he sees you and he knows you and you know him. And so being aware that, hey, not every outward appearance thing, not everything on paper, you know, a great example is you want to, and I think this comes through relationship to be completely honest, because um, there are a lot of opportunities that will come to you in life. And I want to encourage you that during those opportunities that seem like these amazing doors, oh my gosh, you know, this is amazing. Always take a step back 
and talk to the Lord about that. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Because when you have an, in, and I think uh, an intimate heart with Jesus wants to do that. Like my yeah. first response, honestly, to any type of opportunity is always, Lord, is this what you have for me? Even though, oh my gosh, Kelsey, how could you even say that? I'll use a quick example. I had an opportunity to go on a show and um, it's just funny because it's this, you know, everyone wants to get on the show, right? And I, the Lord opened it to me and the, you know, main guy of the whole network is like, we want to offer you your own show. And what this comes back and, and he looks at me like expecting me to be like, oh my gosh, yes, this is. Yes. Amazing. Right on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, um, thank you so much for the opportunity, but, um, you know, obviously I need to pray about it. I need to talk to the Lord and see if this is what he has for me. And he literally said to me, he said, I, I can't believe you're saying that. He said, you know, this is a rare opportunity that not many people ever get in a lifetime. And I said, no, I know, but I still have to talk to the Lord and the whole car ride home. That's what I did. And, you know, you, a heart that puts the Lord first, I'm telling you guys, you don't have to worry about it because when, when Jesus is always first in your life and he's the most important in your life and he's always the one that you talk to and you trust in and rely mm -hmm. on, you're not going to have to be like, oh no, I didn't talk to the, your natural instinct is to just talk to him and, and pray about it. And like that is your natural instinct when you're in relationship with the Lord. Right. And that's what I did when I got this show presented to me. I think, you know, I think it's important. One of the big things that you're kind of addressing is like, even when an opportunity presented to you is an answer to prayer. Yeah. Or at least it looks that's like good. an answer to prayer. Right. Because it might not be. And God may be like, hey, I want you to. I know this is hard, but I want you to, I want you to trust me and I yeah. want you to, I want you to politely decline. Yes. And you're like, but this is the thing. Like, this is the thing that we've been praying right. for. Remember yes. God, you know, <laughs> and you know, it's just like, and you know what, Something like, I'm not saying this has happened to me, but sometimes it could be saying no. And the person's like, all right, we'll give you double what we just, uh, we're going to offer you. And God's like, and now you say yes. You know, like <laughs> it could be something like you That'd just awesome. never know. I like, right. I just, you know, and it could be letting something go and it's really hard. But then in that, another door opens up and God's like, yeah, that's the one, you know? Yes. Yes. It's so important. Or something could fall through that you don't foresee coming. So it's right. always just having that um, closeness with the Lord is is going to keep you in a humble position of heart, a repentant and humble heart, a broken spirit before the Lord, mm. totally and fully depending on him. Even when you think, like Jeff said, it's an answer to prayer. Well, we, mm. we still go to him first because yeah. when you have relationship, it's just that's what you do. You don't, you know, that's just how you walk with God when you become close to the Lord. And so you don't want the Lord to ever say about you, well, you know, it seems like you're awake, but really you're dead. You don't ever want no, him to say not. that about you. So <laughs> no. So don't learn from that's well, why we have the letters, guys. Especially because he's so gracious and patient with us as we're pursuing him. So 
even when I'm walking with him, like I was saying earlier, like sometimes it's too, too little or too much in my effort to try and match his speed and what he's calling me to do. And, right. and there's so much grace in that, especially if we abide in him, yeah, he's so much key. grace. And so if, if you're like, you don't want to be outside of that, you know, right. if you're in the center of God's will and it, like, there's so much grace and, um, you know, but yeah, if you're outside of that and you start forcing your own way, like you don't, you don't want to be on the, you don't want to be on the business end of that, you know? That's right. That's right. You don't want to start making your own connections and claiming that it was God doing it. And really you were knocking and banging down every door you possibly could. And then one happened to get broken down and opened and you're like, oh, see, it was God. You know, you don't, you don't ever want to put yourself in that position. You just, you want to be always submitted to the Lord and have him lead and you follow. He's mm -hmm. the shepherd. Mm -hmm. We're the sheep. We follow the shepherd and we let him lead us into the pasture that he wants to lead us into. Yeah, we good. don't ram the gate. We're not a goat. We don't ram the gate open and say, no, I want this one has flowers and this one has fruit. And I want to go to this one. It, it has all these trees and the Lord's leading you to just a plain field with nothing in it, just grass. Well, there's a reason he's leading you there first. You know, there's a reason. Maybe the fruit is looks awesome, but you can't eat it right now. It's not ripe. It's really hard and you can't, it's not even edible. He's not going to lead you there yet. So you just have to always be following him and just wait on his timing. It, it doesn't always happen immediately. Um, just just be faithful to continue to trust God, even when it's yeah. not always easy. Continue to trust yeah. God, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're walking through. Continue yeah. to trust in God. He is your hope. He's your anchor. He knows what's best for you. I mean, it will always pay off when you trust in the Lord, always. Yeah. And anyone who has walked with God for any amount of time will tell you the faithfulness of God is beyond anything you could ask or think he is yeah. so faithful mm -hmm. okay yeah. guys we're gonna move on if it's okay jeff yeah sometimes okay. the fruit isn't ready there we go that's what you're saying though so, like, yeah that, that's good i was like yeah you know even if you're like but those are those are those are trees they're trees that grow fruit like sometimes it's not ready for you to harvest yet right right he's, he's not gonna lead you there yet He's got other stuff for you first. Yeah. Okay. So the letter to Philadelphia, we're in Revelation 3, 7. Write to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Thus says the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close and who closes and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power Yet you have kept my word and will and have not denied my name. Note this, I will make those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews and are not, but are lying. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and they will know that I have loved you. Because you've kept my command to endure, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come on the whole world to test those who live on earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. The one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never go out again. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. 
Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. So speaking of open doors, here we go. Here's an actual uh, scripture referring just just to that. You go where he leads you. You let him open the doors. Um, you let him close the doors, and you just are obedient to what he wants to do. All right, so Philadelphia um, was nicknamed the Gateway to the East because it was um, sited on the main east-west route to the interior. So it's actually nicknamed the Gateway to the East, which is interesting because it was the gateway, and here... We hear Jesus introduce himself, who's the one who has the key of David, who opens. So think about opening the gateway. He's the one who opens. He's the one who closes. So it's interesting. If you've watched any of these prior, we always talk about there's a reason why Jesus introduces himself in the letters the way he does. And the people of Philadelphia would have understood this. They would have said, even though Philadelphia claims to be the one, the gateway to the east, it's going to open opportunities for me. No, Jesus is the one who holds the key. Not the governor, not the city. No, Jesus is the one. Not your boss, not the leader of this. No, Jesus is the one who holds the key and who will open the doors and close the doors. Jesus is the one who places the open door before us. He's in control, even when we have little power. I think of that phrase, little power. I think you don't you maybe don't have much influence, right? Like the people in the, in the church in the city of Philadelphia may have had not much influence in their region, unlike Sardis, where we see Sardis had lots of influence. Well, Philadelphia may have not had much influence. So they have little power within the city. But again, Jesus is the one who opens the doors to the city, who closes the doors. He is the one that we rely on. You know, when Jesus talks about those who claim to be Jews from the synagogue of Satan, it is said that the Jews in that city um, didn't have to be practicing a cult in order to be aligned with Satan. Um, so in the city, what we always talk about, they're practicing pagan um, rituals. They have pagan temples. So you think of the synagogue of Satan and immediately you think of Artemis and Zeus and you're thinking of all these pagan temples. But Jesus said those who claim to be Jews but are not. So they didn't have to be practicing the occult and worshiping at those temples to be a synagogue of Satan. It's any type of false religious system is considered um, the synagogue of Satan. They were denying that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. That is Antichrist spirit. So who is that? That's of the enemy. That's of Satan. When he says he'll make them come um, now at his feet, he's referencing to Isaiah 60, 14, which says the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you and all who despised you shall bow at your feet. They shall call you the city of Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So I thought that was really interesting when Jesus was referencing, hey, they'll come and bow at your feet. He's he's talking about Isaiah 60. When they'll come, it says the the um, the sons of those who afflicted you will come and bow at your feet. Jesus says, because you've kept my command to endure, I will keep you from the hour of testing that's coming on the earth. He would prevent the final time of tribulation from either touching them at all or stumbling or removing them from pure devotion to him. I believe he does the same to us who endure today. So if tribulation does come, he is going to give us a way to endure. So Jesus is never just going to leave us, guys. Even when we go through 
uh, tribulation today in our own life, which may look different for all of us. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to say, oh, well, you know, oh, that's too bad. No, he's going to help you endure through that trial and through that tribulation. He's always there by the guiding and leading of his spirit to help us in our weakness. He is there with us. You're not alone when you walk through hard things. And I think even of the believers right now that are suffering so horribly um, in Israel, and um, there's there's believers in Gaza too that are going, I mean, there's a church there, there's believers there that they may be hidden underground, but you know, for them to walk through all of this, you know, the Lord's not left them through this. The Lord's not said, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm gone. No, he's not left them. And even though this is a severe test, a severe trial, it's massive tribulation for these families. I mean, there's loved ones being killed all the time, like just families wiped out, being completely murdered in their own home. Just terrorists walking in your front door and just murdering your family. It's horrible. You know, Jesus has not left the believers. But yet when they're gone from the body, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And their crown is waiting there for them. So our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in Christ. So whenever you walk through something, even though no matter how bad it could get, because it can get really bad because we live in a fallen and evil world, our hope is always in the Lord, that we will eternally forever be with him, forever. No one can take you out of his hand and say, nope. You're, you're, God take you from eternity. Nope, you're going into the pit. No, he's the judge. So he'll never leave you and he'll never um, forsake you. Why would the Lord say to him who overcomes when there does not appear to be anything that is before them to overcome if they're already um, in possession of a crown? The answer probably lies in the fact that even though they're living in the favor of God, still there remains obstacles that need to be overcome. So in the church of uh, Philadelphia, to him who overcomes, we don't see anything um, cited in the letter that would be like major persecution. And um, he doesn't address that stuff. But we know that even though we may not be going through that, we still have to overcome. The, The enemy comes seeking who he can devour. So all the time there's bombardments and there's things from the world. There's things from your flesh. There's things from the enemy. We have to overcome all the time. Every single day, we're overcomers with with the help of the Holy Spirit. We overcome every day. We resist the devil. We deny ourselves. We pick up our cross. You know, this is something, this in the the, um, letter to Philadelphia is so important. We We apply to our own lives that we are daily overcomers when we walk with the Lord. We daily endure when we walk um, with the Lord. So the individual pillar in the temple of God speaks of steadfastness and immovability, a point of specific relevance to the city of Philadelphia, who probably had the worst damage in the earthquake. So they had an earthquake in 17 AD, the city of Philadelphia that just destroyed the city. And so when Jesus says, you will be a pillar in the temple, it's immovable. A pillar cannot be broken. So it cannot be removed. So he's referencing, hey, it won't be like the actual temple on earth that can be shaken and completely removed and fall. No, you will be a pillar in the temple to God. So he's talking about for eternity, you will be with the Lord. Nothing can shake that, make that crumble, um, which I think is so cool that that the Lord is always um, 
he's he's speaking to these cities specifically, which, you know, unless you learn about this stuff and you research about it, you wouldn't really know. You would just think, oh, I wonder why he's he's promising to be a pillar in the temple. Like, mm -hmm. I wonder why he's saying that. Well, he's saying that because the people in Philadelphia would understand that they suffered a lot of loss in their city through a huge earthquake in 17 AD. So they lost a lot so far. Him guaranteeing a permanent and stable place in him, they would understand that he has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. See, Jesus's kingdom is not from this earth. It's not from this world. It cannot be shaken. Everything in the world will be shaken and the earth will be shaken. But when you belong to the kingdom of God, you are going to be a pillar. You are secure in him for all eternity. And let that just sink in for a minute and actually think. Think about there will come a time in your future, whether the Lord comes back or whether we die and meet him, for all eternity, where you will never die and you will be with him forever in an un shakable, perfect and pure kingdom of God with love, righteousness, holiness. He says there'll be no tears. The lion will lay down with the lamb. I mean, all of the amazing things to come in that kingdom that we have a promise from the Lord. What is better? I mean, there is nothing more secure in my life then knowing that's my hope is knowing Jesus is my hope. And though all things may fall, temples may fall, buildings may fall, your city may experience an earthquake, you may lose your home. But know that one day you'll be a pillar that can never be shaken in Christ. Yeah. And that is so comforting mm -hmm. to your heart. It's so comforting to know the message of the truth of the gospel is forever with Christ. I mean, that is so comforting for people who are going through a hard time. You know, just sit and think about forever you will be with him. And one day these hardships will end. Mm. And the difficult things we go through, they do shape us and they do change us. And God's word, we conform to it. And he teaches us a lot through living down here on the earth, but the hope of um, God forever is just incredible. I think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when there's hard things going on in my life, I always think, you know, one day, Lord, I'll be with you. And one day, like that none of this stuff will, will ever matter again. And this life is so temporary. Yeah. Well, and even like the the hardships that we do go through, you know, I often think about things that were difficult, seasons that were difficult. Um, I definitely, if I had the choice, would not go back and relive them. I will say that. But right, you you move past them. Right. There is, like, and especially as you're in the Lord. You know, I know there's a lot of people that go through hard things that I've met who are not believers, and it's this thing that they just carry with them. It's like all these bad experiences become all this baggage. And I think that's the thing that's so amazing about following the Lord is that you can go through those things and you can actually, now I can look back on them and extract all the good things. Like I remember more good things than bad things uh, of like, yeah, that was a really unpleasant. I, I acknowledge that it was a difficult season, but I'm like, but what you did in this or what I learned through that or 
how you brought this to comfort us. Like mm -hmm. those are the things that last. And I think that's also another great comfort is it's like, it's, it's a, it's a type and shadow of what we'll experience in heaven. Um, yes. You know, so. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And no one is um, safe from, you know, going through hard times. I'm Rain sorry. falls on the just and the unjust. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it it is the way it is, but learning that you have the comforter inside mm -hmm. of you yeah. and you know jesus is our mediator mm -hmm. and he's standing before god on yeah. our behalf praying for us and he's walking with us these things are mm -hmm. so comforting to our hearts to know yeah. um that listen the lord the lord is with us and we need to be obedient to him we need to deny ourselves we need to pick up our cross mm -hmm. We need to follow the Lord. We need to serve God with all our hearts. You know, these letters are showing, listen, if you do this, here's your reward. Yeah. You know, it's it's telling us and people like to say, oh, well, I don't I don't want my crown, you know, or I don't want the I don't want the reward. I said that. <laughs> yeah. And I think and, and it's not you're not doing it for that. But I think right. the Lord is, um, you know, he's he doesn't have to give anything to us ever at all but yet he gave, gave us, everything, us you know? yeah he gave us his son he gave yeah. us jesus and i mean why we were yet sinners christ died for us and so i always think about that when i see people who aren't born again and they're living in awful sin i think i used to live like that before i knew the lord but like why i was yet a horrible heathen sinner blaspheming god not, I mean, just every day living for myself, he sent Jesus to die for me, even in that condition. And it's, I mean, the beauty of that, God's not going to withhold anything else that he has for us. And the truth is God loves to give us things. He loves to bless us. I mean, he's a good father. And so he will, he, you will receive a crown. You will I mean, stand before the Lord. You will receive a, a white robe. You will receive these things from the Lord. And I can't even imagine the the moment that we're just face to face with him. And these things are given unto us because of our faithfulness and our endurance and our steadfastness in the Lord. I mean, we may, we may not see a reward here for loving Christ and serving him. In fact, it may be the opposite. You may be pushed down looked down upon, spit upon, felt worthless, no one appreciates me. Well, that may be here, but there will come a time where you stand before the Lord. And I mean, I can't even imagine that day. It's going to be so wonderful. So even if you're not fully appreciated here, which you, you'll never be because no one sees all the things that you do. I mean, the Bible exhorts us to do things and when you give, give in secret. Don't know what, you know, your right hand, don't don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. When you pray, pray, pray in secret. So a lot of times we're instructed to do things that only the Lord would see anyways. Mm -hmm. And only he needs to know about a lot of the things that we do. And it's better it's, that way. It's better that way. It is better that way. But one day, you know. I just think, you know, one day to just stand before him and all those things, just 
him looking at us and being like, I saw that, I saw that. Because in the world, you don't really get acknowledged acknowledgement anyways. You know, you just really, you don't. I mean, maybe if you're like the CEO or something, but usually you just go to work, you know, you work, you serve, um, you serve your leaders like um, you should. The Bible exhorts us to serve them, to love them. You know, we do all of that really without reward. I mean, yeah, you get a paycheck and stuff, but you don't really get like honored. Like, oh, you did a, you know, here's a reward for doing a great job. You know, you really don't get that, but in heaven, we will get it for for loving him. So that's really exciting. Okay, guys, we're going to move on. We have 15 minutes. We're going to move on it. to the church it. of Laodicea, which this is the one you probably all have heard of because a lot of people talk about the church, uh, the letter to the church of Laodicea. And I've heard a lot of people say, that's the time frame we're in. We're the church of the American church is the church of Laodicea, right? Have you heard that before? Oh, all the time. Okay. Yeah. So, so you guys all, have all the time. You guys have probably heard yeah. this. Just Western so, Christianity as a whole. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's go over this final letter. Okay. The letter to Laodicea, write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the originator of God's creation, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I've become wealthy and I need nothing. You don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, an ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne, just also as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Hmm. Love this letter. Mm -hmm. I, I'm guilty, just like everybody else, Jeff. I love this letter. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's taught quite often that we're in the Laodicean age. Um, and I see why that's taught. There's a lot of similarities. You can see I'm rich, getting richer. The American church is very wealthy. Um, you know, we need nothing. We have everything, you know, in, in abundance. Um, we're, we're blind. We can't really see the truth. You know, I think a lot of these you could definitely... <laughs> Say, okay, I, I see that um, in the American church, um, for sure. Okay, Laodicea appears to have been the center of banking in financial institutions, being a place where money changing was a common practice. It minted its own coins a number of centuries before the first century AD due to its wealth. This seems to have been a result, however, the city's success in agricultural products such as black wool. So, it's interesting, Laodicea talks about you're rich and getting richer. It was a center for banking. So they mm -hmm. minted their own coin. They were rich. Laodicea was actually rich, just like America is is rich, is very 
wealthy. The church in America is extremely wealthy. Um, so that's it's not like he's spiritually. They are actually naturally they're rich. He's not saying spiritually you're rich and getting richer spiritually. He's talking about naturally when Jesus is rebuking them. Um, the main problem for Laodicea is it didn't have adequate water supply. So when Jesus comes in, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And people will say hot is like, you know, you're zealous for the Lord. You have a really close relationship with the Lord. And then they'll say cold is like you're an atheist, right? You don't even serve God at all. And then they say lukewarm is, you know, you're just living for yourself. Even though you claim to be a Christian, you're not serving God, right? That's kind of at least what I've been taught, um, that that's what that means. But why, if you think about it just for a minute, the Lord says, I wish you were either hot or cold. So why would the Lord wish that you were cold? Well, it depends on, if you're, depends on if you're ice cream or not. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, guys. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Okay. So again, the church of Laodicea would have understood Jesus's meaning when he says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. So I'll spew you from your, my mouth. They would have understood that because Laodicea had to fetch its water through high pressure stone pipes from hot springs mm. five miles away. And by the time it reached Laodicea, the water was lukewarm. So the church in Laodicea would have been like, ew, we know lukewarm. That's what our yeah. water is. It's, but you want to spit it from your mouth. They wish they had hot water. They wish they had cold water, but they didn't. They only had access to lukewarm water. So again, Jesus is using this as a reference directly to that, to that region. Like you don't, you spit it from your mouth. It's, it's disgusting to you. That's what I don't want my church to be. I don't want to spit the church from my mouth in disgust. You know, I wish you were hot or cold. Speaking about water, cold water, what is it? It's refreshing. Mm -hmm. It's really refreshing, especially on a hot day. You want cold water. Well, what's hot water? Hot water is needed for teas, for showers, for cleaning. Right. So both cold and hot water in the, are actually very useful. But lukewarm water... It's really good for nothing. Well, yeah, and like let's just even take this even more, uh, you know, further down the illustration zone. But like coffee, right? Like if you if <laughs> that you is ordered, yeah, if you ordered like a hot latte, right, and then you let it get down to room temp, it's nasty. Okay, Ooh, bitter. And the same goes with cold. Like if you got iced coffee or cold brew or something like that, and you let that go down to room temp, it's just not the same. It's just like. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um not good. So, you know, the church in Laodicea was not refreshing um the people in Laodicea. So, it was not a refreshing church, let's just say that. And actually, Laodicea is the only um one of the seven churches where Jesus doesn't commend them for anything. So yeah, all the other churches, he's commending them. He's saying, but a few of you have this. A few of you do this. A few of you don't tolerate Jezebel. A few of you have uh, washed your robes. A few of you had stayed pure. But in Laodicea, there is no commendment. So yeah. it's a whole lot of blase. Yeah. 
you're you're in trouble basically okay Okay. there is no well a few of you are refreshing no he doesn't Mm -hmm. say that so the church in laodicea um it's it's not refreshing spiritually anyone in that area um it's not healing the spiritually sick so you know when we preach the gospel message what does it do it heals those who are spiritually sick until you have jesus you are in a very sick condition so lukewarm water is not going to help with someone who is sick um in any way Um, because they're rich they needed nothing they relied totally upon themselves totally upon themselves so the church in laodicea was self again self-sufficient they don't need to rely on Christ for any type of money or any type of like, oh, we need some help with building a church or let's pray and ask God. Well, they had all of that. They didn't need to stop yeah. and ask. And we know what the Bible says about um, being rich and entering the kingdom. It's like the camel through the eye of a needle. We know the story about the rich man and Lazarus. Oh, he was so rich every day. He enjoyed eating and drinking and every single day. Why poor Lazarus was poor, a beggar outside of his gates asking for scraps of food. The dogs would come and like lick his wounds. He died. He goes to Abraham's bosom. The rich man dies. He goes to Hades and he says, please give me, you know, a drink of uh, a touch water on my tongue, you know. And so we see that it's not easy being in need of nothing in life to enter into the kingdom because the number, first of all, when we come into the kingdom originally, God draws our hearts. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit who draws us. But then what do we do? We recognize that we're spiritually dead when we come to Jesus. If you've come to Jesus and you've given him your life, it's because you've repented of your sins and you've realized that you are a sinner and you are fallen and you need the Lord to wash you clean. You need the Lord. That's the first step into becoming a Christian. And so you're in need of something. You're always in need of something. But if you have everything already, it's really hard to be in need. And I think of also when um, the rich young kid comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to get into the kingdom? He's like, because I'm doing all these, I'm checking off all the boxes. That's right. That's right. I'm doing all this stuff. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, Jesus obviously doesn't say the first commandment, which is love your God with all your heart, mind, strength, soul, and body. um, Because he wasn't doing that. He loved money more. Um, God, the money was his God. So, you know, Jesus wanted him to kind of understand that. He didn't say that to him. Um, he skipped over the first commandment for a reason um, because God wasn't, he wasn't serving God with all of his heart. And so the church at Laodicea we see as being rebuked because they're in need of nothing. Yeah. Um, well, and, and they, I think, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, this is a very like Western my like mindset um the thing that's being addressed here definitely um not that it's only isolated to the west um but i remember like you know when i was in missions we had to raise support and Mm -hmm. so um my friends and i some of them had horror stories of people just like rebuking them for asking for support because basically Mm -hmm. what you do is you Come to, people, come to people and you get monthly contributors, people that commit to 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, yep. 15, 
well, however much they can give, but committing to that and um, to commission you to go um, to these places. And it is very, it's a very shameful thing, specifically in America to ask for money. That's mm-hmm. something that a lot of people, so I'm, you know, because I, God had me walk through that for four years, you know, it's just like, it's, it really changed my perspective on wealth. And obviously there are people who are taking advantage of people, not in YWAM, but just like people mm-hmm. and maybe people have been burned because someone's asking for money and they're, you know, uh, they could do something that they just don't want to help themselves, you know, in a situation they just want right, to do things right. for them. So that's, that's, I don't know that that's as, as common, you know, but, um, yeah, it, it, like this is what it's addressing here even is just like like that self-sufficiency and doing everything ourselves. Yes, I mean, it, it very what, much feels exactly. like it's in step with what's happening in America and, and a lot of culture within America. Of like it's shameful to ask for help, not even just money. It's shameful to ask for help. And I think, right, yeah, right. so exactly. We're not we're not leaning upon the Lord to mm. be our provider. Yeah. So we're leaning upon ourselves, you know, um, he, the Lord says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Look at the birds of the air. Do they, do they sow? Do they reap? Do they store up? So he's, he's constantly reminding us that he's our provider for our daily needs. And we go to him and the Lord uses other people to give in to you. And I, I love what it is a shameful thing to go around and say, well, I need money for missions or whatever. But as a believer, I love to give in to missions. Like yeah. Paul says, don't give under compulsion, you know, and I love giving into anything that is the hands and feet of the church is like, I'm, I love giving into that because you are going and showing God's love to a place that I won't be able to go to. Like, I can't leave my family with three kids and all my responsibilities and go do missions. You know, like, I'm not called to do that. But I love to support people who do do that. Or even the digging of water wells that um, we have the opportunity to give into on this show. It's uh-huh. you you are not maybe not be the one to be able to go and dig the well and do all that. But you can support someone yeah. who is going to do oh, that. Yeah. And it's a great it's a great place to financially sow into God's kingdom is people who are actually going. You know, the word apostle means sent one. And I know people love the title apostle. Well, really, missionaries are apostles. They are sent ones. They are going in their commission by God or commissioned by their church. They are sent to go do a mission for the Lord, to love people, to preach the gospel, to help people in need, to build homes, to feed, to to give medical care, all of these things. That is the actual definition of an apostle is to go out and be a sent one. And so missionaries are doing that. And I mean, I think you should totally support missionaries um a hundred percent if you're able to give you should definitely give um to to any type of missions and you know there's a book called the didache it was an early writing um i don't know yes i don't know if you've ever heard of it but it was um a very early church writing called the didache and they actually addressed um giving in the didache and they said um if someone so if a prophet comes and they're they're asking for money and they're not in need of anything. So if you come and you're not in need as a as a minister or as a person. So let's say I'm uh going to do missions, right? But I have a really amazing job. Let's just say I'm a doctor. I have an amazing job. I have more than enough money to send myself to missions. 
but I go and I'm asking for more than I need for missions. Let's say I need $1,000. I'm asking for $5,000. Well, the Didache is kind of addressing this by saying, if someone's doing that, they're a false prophet. They should not be asking, what, well, what are they doing with that? So, you know, that's the other thing. Um, I love bringing up the Didache. If you haven't read it, I... And I it's pronounced, or it's spelled D-I-D-A-C-H-E. Yes. So if anybody's curious, D-I-D-A-C-H-E. And I found that out by spelling it wrong way. So Yes, <laughs> yes that's how you spell it. I was it. Googling it. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. So you can find it for free online. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting because it actually talks about this. So Laodicea, um, they were a financial hub. They had a lot of money. They were rich. But then Jesus says to them, listen, you're poor, blind, and naked. So what a rebuke, Okay. You and and this is the thing. What what matters in the end? Do your riches and all this? Do they matter? Can you take that with you when you die? No, you cannot. You cannot take that with you when you die. The riches and all of this. No, sorry, that's not going with you. You know what's going with you? Your spirit and your soul. Your body's gone, and your spirit and soul is going one of two places and you will be judged and so when jesus says listen you're poor you're blind and you're naked and they're thinking the church is probably thinking when they read this letter they're probably like what do you mean we're dressed in the finest of garments like we have the finest of homes what do you what do you mean we're poor blind and naked no we're not we have but he's speaking spiritually you're poor in spirit because you don't trust god for anything you trust yourself. You can't trust yourself. You have to trust God for your eternal soul. Why gain the whole world and lose your soul? Why yeah. would you do that? But mm -hmm. it seems like Laodicea was doing that. So obviously, um, they're they're rebuked for for doing that. Um, all right, let's see. It's also interesting in verse 20, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. So when someone's standing at the door and knocking, he's outside of the church. So he's not in the church. He's saying, listen, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Well, to be knocking on a door, you're outside of the church. So what he's saying by that is I'm not even he's amongst not even in you. The church, yeah. I'm not even with you. I'm not, I'm not even in any of this that you're doing. And again, Laodicea is not commended for anything. So the Lord is not even there in their midst. They have totally and completely stopped relying on the Lord and completely and totally just relied upon themselves. And that's what we don't want to do, you guys. What me and Jeff were talking about earlier, how we include the Lord in everything. We always ask the Lord, is this what you have for us? You know, give us, even in the Lord's prayer, what does they say? Give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Give us yeah. this day. So each and every day we rely upon the Lord. And it's not just for, I love how, you know, daily bread. It is for daily provision. Mm -hmm. But I always like to think about, you know, the word of God as being manna, you know, as being bread to our spirits. It's living. It's, it's feeding us. The word of God feeds us. So give us this day our daily bread. I, whenever I 
pray that with my kids every night. We pray the Lord's Prayer together. And whenever I say that, I always think spiritually, Lord, because we are blessed in America and thank the Lord I've never had a day where I haven't been able to eat because I don't have anything. I've never gone through that. Maybe some of you have. I have not gone through that. So I always think spiritually like, Lord, let your word nourish me. Let your word feed me. Lord, fill me with you, with your word, with what you want me to do, with how you want me to live. Lord, feed me and my family every day. And that's personally how I think of um, that. But, you know, Jesus is saying, listen, you don't want to be poor in spirit. You don't want to rely upon yourself. You don't want to get away from him. You don't want to get out of the vine. Got to stay in the vine. He's the vine where the branches. Got to stay in the vine. Mm -hmm. Don't go off your own way. Don't, don't leave the uh, total dependency that you had when you first got saved. You, I know we all remember when we first came to the Lord, it was like total dependence and mm-hmm. just this thankfulness and gratefulness that would that filled your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe that he died for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that all my sins are washed away yeah. and I am a brand new creation. Like, it, you're so grateful mm-hmm. that all the wicked you've done is washed away. Yeah. And you're clean before the Lord. I mean, that is like, you're so grateful. So when you first come to the Lord and you're grateful like that and you're dependent on him and your mind is aware of him, that's how we want to have our walk with God always. We want to be steadfast with the Lord. Mm-hmm. We want to continue to be grateful. want to continue to be spiritually fed by the Lord. And don't let the natural things of the world, you know, come out from the world. Be separate. Can you be rich and love the Lord and serve God with all... Yes, no one's saying you have to be poor. No one is saying that. But when you do have wealth, distribute it. And, and Romans 12, 8 talks about if you do have um, wealth, you know, be generous with your money. Mm-hmm. Help others. Yeah. Be generous. Don't keep yep. it all for yourself. I mean, if you do, maybe you're super wealthy. Hey, be generous with it. Wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to give, mm-hmm. give to those in need. There's a ton of people who don't have anything and it would be a huge blessing to them if they received you know from you money from you that you couldn't understand what a big blessing it would be because you have it so make sure you're um you're giving if you're you're very very wealthy Mm. and you know no one's saying you have to be in poverty you know the lord's not saying that i want to because i i think god is really wanting to I really feel like he's wanting to move us away from the whole like Christian equals pover- uh, impoverished Christian equals this right. thing or that thing. Or um, he's, I think God is shaking up a lot of what we've really tried to define in, in really firm ways. Mm-hmm. And if you are wealthy, do what God has asked you to do and ignore other people's opinions on what you should do. Because right. people will have those opinions and be like, oh, they could be doing so much. I'm like, hey, 
hey bro what are you doing you know like that, that, that's always my question it's like what are you doing well nothing but i think they should be doing something i'm like okay, right all right well just say that what you just said but a little slower and listen really good to what you just said you know right so i think too with like whatever whatever it is and this doesn't just apply to wealthy people but whatever it is pray and ask god how you should conduct yourself and what he should have you do right and do it and then yep. be kind to others but don't allow others to determine something for you like especially if god asks you to do something and all of a sudden you get all this external pressure and you're like all right well maybe i should be doing that instead you know so that I can right. appease the masses right so, don't do that just follow no, what the lord follow no, no, no. what the lord says yeah and yeah so you don't you don't want to be self-sufficient is the main um directive from this letter um to laodicea you don't want to rely on yourself right. um, and relying on the world and um, the things of the world, the love of money, stuff like that. You you don't don't want to do that. You want to be separate. You want to follow Christ. You want to trust in God for all things. You want to be fed daily by the word of God, nourished by the word of God. Mm -hmm. You want to help others. You want to be led by the spirit. Um, and when you help others, of course, it's the leading. Um, the Lord is will always lead you and guide you to do stuff. The Holy Spirit will a lot of times put it on your heart to give or whatever. Just be obedient to do um, what you can do every day, you know, like just every day walk with the Lord and have your relationship with the Lord, you and the Lord every single day. And you won't be Laodicea because you won't fall away from trusting and needing God. Man, don't I really be don't want to be sufficient. Yes. Don't be self-sufficient. You don't want to be poor, blind and naked. You mm. want to trust in God for all things and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And since we're talking about relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you don't have that yet. Maybe mm. you don't yet know the Lord or maybe you do know the lord and you have prayed a prayer and you know praying a prayer doesn't mean you have true relationship with god i think if anything we learned from the letters is that we learned that you can be part of a church you can be part of a group of believers and yet the lord is calling you hey repent come back to your first mm -hmm. love come back to me come to know me don't you know don't be poor blind and naked don't um, defile your white linen. You know, he's he's talking to the church. So today is the day to turn to the Lord and to trust in him with your whole heart. Mm -hmm. Today is the day to call upon the name of the Lord, to repent of your sins. Today is that day. You don't have to wait another minute. Mm -hmm. Anything that's bothering you, maybe you've fallen slowly back into sin and you've slowly started to fall away from the lord you've slowly started to backslide well today is the day you turn to him and you say lord forgive me lord wash me i want to follow you i want to deny myself today's the day to open your bible again today's the day before you go to bed tonight open your bible go to john start reading in the book of john and let the word of god speak to your heart again Today is a day of salvation for you. So if that's you, I just want you right now to just give your heart back to the Lord and say, Father, forgive me for turning away. Lord, forgive me um, 
for not living for you, Lord, but for living for myself. Lord, forgive me for being self-sufficient. Mm. Jesus, I want to totally and completely depend upon you. God, I ask that you would lead me by your spirit. Lord, I ask that you would draw me even closer to the heart of Jesus. Lord, help me to resist the enemy so that he'll flee from me, God. I choose to serve you today, Lord. I choose again to give you my heart. I choose again to say yes to you. Lord, I ask for your grace on my life. Lord, teach me through your word how to be obedient to your commands. And Jesus, I just pray right now that your love would just begin to fill their hearts. God, I just pray that the beauty of a sacrifice life for them, Lord, all of their sins, they've already been paid for, completely paid for. It is finished. It was finished at the cross. Lord, thank you for the beautiful face of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that he washes us clean. Lord, I just pray that they would know they're loved and they're seen and they're accepted in the beloved and that it's as easy as turning to him and saying, Lord, come in, stop knocking. I don't want you outside of my temple. I don't want you outside of my life. I want you in my life. I want every day to be with you, Lord. I'm ready to fully surrender every single part of my life to you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just want to pause just for a minute because I just, just pausing for a minute sometimes is what is needed. And it's not really about words right now, but more the Lord just touching um, people's hearts and the Holy Spirit just really ministering to people right now. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just let the Lord continue to touch you as we continue to pray. And as we end in prayer, just it's okay to just let just sit there, let the Lord continue to touch you. So, Father, I just ask that you bless each and every one listening, Lord, where they're going through something difficult. Father, I pray that they know that you're walking with them. Lord, I pray... Um, that they would know you intimately, God, that it wouldn't just be, um, oh, yeah, I know the Lord. My parents told me about him. Yeah, I grew up going to church, but that they would actually desire to come to know you. Father, let their hearts be zealous. Let their hearts burn with passion to spend time with you, to get to know you your word, Lord, what you say to us, how you instruct us, God. Lord, let the, the world just fade away, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. Lord, let that just fade out of their lives, God. And let them come to know today that the most important thing is you, Jesus. For all eternity, we will be with you. Lord, remind them that this earth is temporary. Solomon says it's like a, our life's like a vapor. It's so quick. We're not ever guaranteed tomorrow, Lord. But we are guaranteed 
to be eternally and forever with you. So Jesus, we bless you today. We love you and we thank you for the letters to the churches. We thank you for the instruction given to us. God, continue to reveal yourself to us each and every day. Lord, feed us today. Give us today our daily bread, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, Kelsey, that was a fantastic end to a great unofficial series. <laughs> uh, we knew we knew initially, Jeff, we're like, there's no way we're going to get through uh -huh, these in one yeah. episode. Yeah. So if you haven't seen parts one or two, or you've only seen one of the other parts, the links are in the description to the other episodes. So if oh, you just sweet. go into the description, you can go to parts one and two and uh, listen to it from the beginning again. Um, yes. So Kelsey, how can people follow you? So right there, Facebook, that's probably the best way you guys can follow me. Yeah. It's the that's only way actually. Yeah, I'm on YouTube too, but I don't really post there too much. You know, I just kind of keep it on, keep it simple and easy. Mm -hmm. I'm a busy mom with three kids. I can't mm -hmm. manage all this stuff. Yeah, nope. <laughs> I just need no, just You don't have an thing. assistant. No, no, just no. need one thing. Yeah, so Kelsey, thank you so much. We so appreciate you. We love having you on the show. You're a good friend, Aww. all that good stuff. I love you guys. Yeah, thank you everybody. So, um. Have a blessed Thursday. Tune in tomorrow. Again, like I said at the top uh, at the top of the week, uh, tomorrow we're having on Chris Keel, um, and we're having on his friend from Israel who's currently in the U.S. Um, he's at UCLA right now. Um, but we're going to be talking all about the conflict that's happening, the Israeli conflict, uh, the past hundred years. It's all kind of leading into helping people understand why things are happening the way they're happening right now because there's a lot of spin in the media right now uh yeah. and i have a lot of strong opinions about that as many of you do as well so yes um, but tune do. in tomorrow i think if people are looking for comfort looking for understanding they're confused um i know we have a couple of israelis that watch this show as well um and so uh i think it's just gonna be a great time you guys um it's not gonna be a time to peddle fear it's not gonna be a time to to spew a lot of um, doom and all of that. So um, just tune in tomorrow, you guys, at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be a great time. We love you guys, and we'll see you then. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Today.